Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hello and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Jolenta Greenberg. Just kidding. I'm Kristen Meinzer. Oh my gosh. You had me all confused for a second. I'm Jolenta <laughs> Greenberg. And in each episode of How to Be Fine, we weigh in on what's happening in the world of happiness, health, and betterment. And we offer a bit of advice to those who ask for it. Full disclosure, we are not psychologists or psychiatrists, but we are experienced self-help critics. We've lived by the rules of nearly 100 self-help books for our other podcast, By the Book, right here in this feed. So we've tried on almost every kind of wellness trend out there. And besides, we're not here promising to make you like the best, richest, happiest, most optimal version of yourself. If all goes well... We'll just help you feel a little closer to fine. All righty, Jolenta, we have a couple of great advice letters to get to later in the show. But first, as usual, we're kicking things off with our hot topic. Yes, we are. And today's hot topic is Hilaria Baldwin. Ah, yes, Hilaria. Mm -hmm. I have personally been following her saga closely ever since December 2020. But for those out there who haven't, Jolenta, tell us all about who she is what she's famous for, what she's done, the whole shebang. Let's get into it. So, 
Ilaria Baldwin is best known for being Alec Baldwin's Spanish wife, who is 26 years his junior. Since marrying Baldwin, Ilaria has become a yoga slash wellness slash mommy influencer and self-help author who loves sharing photos of her now seven kids, is alarmingly good at losing baby weight, and does yoga poses in strange places. Oh, and she's been in the news again because the involuntary manslaughter charges against her famous husband, Alec Baldwin, were just dropped. Yes. And for those who aren't familiar with it, those charges were because Alec was holding a prop gun that allegedly spontaneously went off in his hand during rehearsal for his film, Rust, which he didn't just star in. He was a producer on. Right. And when that happened, it killed the director of photography, Helena Hutchins. Yes. And you might be thinking, why is she in the news if this is about her husband and not being held responsible for accidentally killing someone? Well, she made the news after the charges were dropped because both she and her husband, Alec, made some really strange Instagram posts. And Kristen, you might be thinking, like, what would you post if you traumatically (laughs) injured one person and killed another on the job and the charges were finally dropped? I I think I would say I am so sorry. This is heartbreaking. This is something that we know her family will never recover from. Ours certainly won't. Just a few examples off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. You post some sort of tribute to the amazing person who lost their life. Yeah. One of those maybe text-only statements. But instead, both Alec and Ilaria posted tributes to themselves, and mainly her. And I'll get into those more in a sec. But first... I want to get into Ilaria's background because it all makes sense once you know her full story. Yes. And I know for a fact, Jolenta, you may have been privy to her grifty pass long before the rest of us were. I was a bit just just (laughs) through gossip. And who doesn't love and, you know, honestly kind of trust gossip because it's usually (laughs) right. I started keeping tabs on Ilaria, right when she came on the scene in New York around like 2011, 2012, because I thought she was fascinating. I love someone who's famous for nothing because something's always up with them. It's like truly hard to accidentally find fame. So someone marrying into it and then suddenly being like surprised by the opportunity to grow a huge social media following like that (laughs) attitude always piques my interest. And I heard some rumors about her that were interesting, as I mentioned. As you know, I started out in New York as an actor, and the theater where I worked also taught NYU students. So I had a lot of friends that went to school there. And NYU also happens to be where Ilaria went to school. So over drinks or like lunch one day, Ilaria came up as a topic. And one of my friends who has gone to NYU was like, I remember in school when she was just Hillary and I was like, what? And she was like, oh, yeah, I knew of her in school and like took her yoga class once in a while after we graduated. And she used to be Hillary. But then apparently one day she showed up to class and was like, I'm Spanish and my name is actually Ilaria. Uh, Interesting. Mm -hmm. And what did you think when you heard that? Honestly, I kind of felt for her. I heard that story and assumed that she was Spanish And that she had anglicized her name to fit in at some point, like in her childhood, maybe. 
and that she was going back to the original pronunciation and sort of like reclaiming her heritage. Mm. And that is what I thought until late 2020 when I learned and we all learned that I was completely wrong about her. Ah, yes. That is when the truth came out. Or I should say, the truth hit the mainstream media more accurately. Exactly. So there were some rumblings of this in a DC mom chat room and a subreddit. Rumors of Ilaria having a fake Spanish accent started, you know, bubbling up. And in December 2020, this really came to a head when Ilaria posted a picture of herself in lingerie, newly postpartum, holding her baby, looking like a supermodel, advertising for some cream she likes. No baby weight in sight. And as a joke, the comedian Amy Schumer reposted the photo with some caption being like, Jean and I wish you a happy holidays. <laughs> yes, Jean is her baby, right? Yes, exactly. So she's poking fun at the fact that her body is very different from Ilaria's and that perhaps Ilaria's is far from the norm or perhaps unattainable postpartum. I personally thought it was kind of funny, but... Totally. <laughs> very innocuous, but like I chuckled. Plus, they were friends, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right. I assume all, like, somewhat funny people know each other. Alec used to be on SNL 30 Rock. Like, I assume they yeah. all are in on the joke. But yes. the next day, Ilaria posted a response, and it was kind of wild. Let's take a listen to a snippet. I mean, if you really go down this, this thought process of, like, oh, she's looking a certain way. Yeah, you know what? I do look a certain way. This is what I look like. You know, I come from smaller people. I have been a fitness person my entire life. And there you go, period, end of story. And there's no need that I need to apologize for that. Just as there's no need that anyone else needs to apologize for what they look and their life story. That's it. And so basically, I want to say this. Body inclusivity, that means everybody. Every shape, size, everything. Uh, oh, poor me being skinny shamed. As if skinny shaming is a thing. It is not, everyone. Skinny shaming is not a thing. Yeah, it's the classic like reverse body positivity argument or some uh. bullshit. And, you know, people didn't love her implying that she was being body shamed for being thin and valuing quote unquote health. But the negative response to her video wasn't just about what she said. It was also about how she said it. In this video, if you listen back, she hardly has any accent at all. She slips into it for like a second, but for the most part, it is totally non-existent. And right after that video went up, a tweet by at Lenny Briscoe went viral. And that tweet says, you have to admire Ilaria Baldwin's commitment to her decade-long grift where she impersonates a Spanish person. Ah, uh, yes. And this Ugh. is what caught on with the world. Yes. Yes. I remember it this. caught on like wildfire. <laughs> there were more tweets by Lenny Briscoe and others started chiming in. There were tweets with videos of her accent inconsistencies and personal anecdotes about going to high school with her back in Boston when she went by Hillary. <laughs> and uh, turns out, girl is not from Spain, despite what her agency by at the CAA website said, what her Google bio said, what numerous magazines have said all about her being from Mallorca. This is not true. She is not from Spain, even though at one point her own husband mimicked her accent on a late night show and said his wife was from Spain. Alas, she is truly from Boston. Uh, yes. But Jolenta, I must remind you, she did go on several vacations to Spain growing up. Oh, yes. <laughs> of course she did. <laughs> 
One of the highlights from this Twitter thread was a link to this video of Ilaria on the Today Food website. Being such a seemingly native Spanish speaker, she forgets the English word for cucumber. We have very few ingredients. We have tomatoes. We have, um, how do you say anything? Cucumber. Cucumbers. We have um, red pepper. And how you say cucumber? <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So after that Lenny Briscoe tweet thread went off, the Instagram detective, podcaster, journalist, Jezebel founding editor, and personal internet hero of mine, Tracy Morrissey, started doing the Lord's work and deep diving into Ilaria's past. We will link to all of these sources and Instagram posts in our show notes. So if you want to check them out, go there to find those links. Here is a list of what Tracy Morrissey found out about her. And this is all stuff that was Googleable. Her full, very Anglo name is Hillary Hayward Thomas. She appears to have graduated from the Massachusetts Prep School, the Cambridge School of Weston. She's listed as one of their notable alums on their website. And many people who claim to have gone there tweeted about how she was a perfectly nice white girl from Cambridge, although she has previously implied that she came to the States from Spain to go to NYU. Both of her parents are American, and she's never corrected publications that incorrectly state her mother is Spanish. Her dad is a Boston businessman and lawyer who has loved Spain and studied Spanish, but once wrote in a blog post that he doesn't have a drop of Spanish blood in him. In fact, it looks like his lineage can be traced back to the original British colony in New England. So she's more pilgrim than Spanish. And her mother is a Boston area doctor who's worked at Mass General and Harvard. And her family goes back generations in the Massachusetts area. Her parents are both retired and did buy a house in Mallorca, Spain in 2011. This is also around the same time when she started dating Baldwin. So long after she was, you know, out of her parents' home. She told Ola Magazine that Spanish was her native language. That's just a few of the things Tracy Morrissey found. Oh, yeah. And she found so much more. I highly encourage everybody to read up on this because I personally am so fascinated with all of it. And all of Morrissey's captions are super funny, too. Like, it's got a good sense of humor about it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, of course, Jolenta, once all of this came out, we know what Ilaria did. She apologized and said, I misrepresented myself. Just kidding. She didn't do any of that. No, she? she wasn't like, hey, I've been fully faking a Spanish identity that I do not have. Uh, instead of apologizing, she doubled down in a video response she posted on Instagram that's now been taken down. In the video, she said that she never overtly lied about this, which is pretty true from what I found. She's very good about saying her family lives in Spain, not that she was born there. So, you know, lots of half-truths and, you know, implied non-truths. She says she was born in Boston, but spent time in Boston and Spain. That she is a white girl, but Europe has a lot of white people in it. So how is her family that different? Regarding her name, she says she didn't like being called Hillary in the States and Ilaria in Spain. So she eventually landed on one name, Ilaria. She reminds people that it's only a few letters different from Hillary and people shouldn't get so upset about it. Oh, and she says the accent thing is just her trying to clearly enunciate in both languages and getting a bit tripped up when she switches between both Spanish and English. And to top it all off, she says that ethnically she's a mix of many, many things and that, quote, 
This is a country of a lot of different cultures, and I think that we can be different parts of ourselves with different people. I feel really lucky that I grew up with two cultures. I grew up speaking two languages. So, yeah, because her family has taken vacations to Spain and because her parents retired there, she feels entitled to claim it as part of her own identity. TLDR, that's what she's saying. Yep, exactly. Oh, and you will like Kristen, your favorite publication, The Daily Mail. Side note, (laughs) check out Kristen's new podcast, Daily Fail, found wherever podcasts are found. They go through The Daily Mail, and it's awesome. (laughs) The Daily Mail hired a genealogist who traced her family lineage back and found zero traces of Spanish ancestry. The genealogist said unless there was an adoption that wasn't legally accounted for, there is no Spanish lineage to Ilaria. Oh, and that mix of many things that she claims to be, all those ethnicities she claims to be. Her family tree can be traced back to English, German, Irish, Canadian, and Slovakian ancestry. Mm, None of those are Spanish. No, none. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, she just kept the grift going. About a year after this all went down, she made some posts basically praising herself for staying true to her Spanish grift. She wrote, when you are multi, it can feel hard to belong. You are constantly going back and forth, trying to be more this or more that. You feel you have to explain why you are the way you are, trying to fit into a world of labels when there might not be one that perfectly defines you. You will never quite fit in. Oh, my God. Poor Ilaria. I'm crying a tear for her right now. It's so hard. Yeah. It must be so hard for her. Oh, she's a victim. Look at how she's treated in this world, Jolenta. Yeah. She's not participating in cultural appropriation. She is a victim (laughs) of misunderstanding. But it's not right. Every time she lets people assume she's Spanish, she also lets them assume that she has faced the discrimination that immigrants and native Spanish speakers face all the time in the United States and elsewhere. She made a career out of being ethnic, using her accent and false heritage to set her apart from other influencers. And she also got to bypass most of the hardships that actual minorities face to get where they are. Yeah. Exactly. And on top of that, she has played up what hardships she has manufactured for herself on social media. At one point, she posted something about how hard it was to be out in the world with all of her blonde, blue-eyed children and for people to presume she was the help just because she's a Spanish speaker and has dyed black hair. Right. Exactly. And it seems like she's just never going to back down from this. She's still out there using her fake accent. This brings us back to why she's been in the news recently. A few months ago, right after her husband was initially charged for fatally shooting his co-worker, she was out on the street giving an informal press conference to paparazzi with that accent aflowing. You guys know I'm not going to say anything to you. You know that. So please leave my family in peace and let this all play out okay so let my kids come home and you stay away from them because they ask me mommy what like what are these people doing and it's a very hard thing as a mom to try to explain so please go home That video is so bananas because also it's almost like she's inviting the paparazzi to get closer to her. She's like, follow me while I give you an official press conference. And then she just speaks in her Spanish accent about what a victim she is. Yeah. And how they need to stay away. Yeah. 
even though she invited them essentially to stand close to her. The whole thing is just maddening. Right, right. And yeah, she just has to be the victim. And she and Alec did it again super recently with those Instagram posts I mentioned. At the beginning of this whole story, those are the Instagram posts they made just a few weeks ago to celebrate the fact that uh, his criminal charges were being dropped. So here's what Alec posted. He posted this kind of shitty, blurry picture of them at a table in what appears to be a restaurant. And she's sort of perched on his lap, smiling, and his eyes are closed and his head is leaning against her with a look that says, like, I'm at peace. And for the caption, he wrote, I owe everything I have to this woman. Mm, You know what I really want to read if I am the survivor of a shooting on set? Or if my spouse just got killed by a guy, mm-hmm. I, I want to know that he's at peace. Yeah. And that he fucking loves his wife. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, Thanks, no Alec. No one needed to hear that. We already know you love her. And she made an even wilder post. She's in his lap in this picture, too. But this time they appear to be at home and her knees are up and her feet are resting on his lap, too. So she's sitting almost in the fetal position in his lap. Her head is lying on Alec's shoulder while he cradles her with both arms, his eyes closed and leaning his head against hers. And her caption is just one simple emoji, a red heart. Read the room, Ilaria. Come mm-hmm. on, read the room. She made herself the centerpiece of this photo in this like dramatic victim pose and doesn't mention the person who tragically died. Like it's bonkers to me. Yeah. So here are my thoughts. In conclusion, Hilaria loves making suffering and marginalization about her. She likes to apparently lie and vastly stretch the truth in order to be perceived as a minority or a victim. And she used this position in society to sort of leverage a career in telling people how to take care of themselves, which is concerning to me. At the height of lying about who she was, she wrote a book called The Living Clearly Method, Five Principles for a Fit Body, Healthy Mind, and Joyful Life. Yes. And note about that best-selling book of hers, the word clearly there. Was she living clearly? She was living lyingly. Yes. (laughs) That's very unclear. Not clear at all. Yeah, at the height of this grift, she's also posting pictures of her tiny postpartum body, telling the cut things like, quote, I didn't have C-sections, so that helped me. If you have a natural birth, it's a very different recovery. You just deflate. I took a picture a day or two after I gave birth to Rafa in the bathroom. You can Google it. Every day it gets smaller and smaller, and if you breastfeed, it goes away faster. Your body is supposed to do this as long as you treat it right. As long as you feed it enough, don't feed it too much, exercise not too much. If you find that balance, you're golden. She's the worst kind of self-help influencer. Like, so much of that is just like, I look like this because I live my life right. And does not even mention the fact that she's wildly rich, has personal trainers, has chefs, does not actually have to work a traditional job. Her job is to look good. tons of nannies, so many nannies. She's been photographed out and about with them. And the idea that you are going to clearly teach people how to live their best lives when you are not being clear with the fact that you have all these advantages and you're lying about who you are. Yeah. Come on. So much of it is just shaming women 
mm-hmm. and not owning up to everything she has that the rest of us don't. Exactly. And it's the kind of con that we really have to look out for when we're getting wellness advice and buying self-help books because you truly never know who has been living a lie while telling you how to live your life. And you want to find the people who are at least qualified or who are at least who they fucking say they are. Uh, Those are the people you want giving you advice. Like that's a good foundation, being who they actually say they are. Yeah. Especially if you're building your whole brand around your identity. Yeah. Don't lie about what your identity is. Don't lie about your advantages. Don't lie about your ethnicity. Don't lie about that. Yeah. So, Kristen, do you still like do you hate follow Ilaria? Do you like follow her? (laughs) Are you still keeping tabs on her? I I think I'm going to keep tabs on Ilaria for the rest of my life. I find this whole situation fascinating. As you know, I'm always fascinated by self-help grifters, part of the reason why we make this show and we have for the last many years. But I'm also just very curious, and this is a very gossipy thing to say, I'm just very curious about like, how much did Alec Baldwin actually know about his wife when he met her? When he proposed to her, he famously said he went to Montauk on Long Island because it was the closest they could get to Spain while still being in New York. And he wanted her to be close to her homeland when he popped the question. And their wedding rings say in Spanish, we make a good team. And half of their wedding service was in Spanish. And all of their children have Spanish names. And so I'm just very curious on a gossipy level. Was he in at all of this? Did he find out later? I find all of that perplexing and admittedly very fascinating. So I, I'm still going to pay attention yeah. to what's happening with Ilaria because I, I also feel like this isn't it. I feel like no, there's probably more. There's that's more to come. come. She's still yes. just like maintaining this grip, like, at, like thinking yes. she'll ride out, like us remembering who she really is. And we haven't forgotten. Now we just sort of watch her and go, like, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, when it comes to Alec, according to her, she famously met him. There are a few versions of like, was she working at a restaurant? Was she a patron? Was she just trying to get a table? But basically, they met at a Sini restaurant. It's the vegan restaurant that's in the documentary Bad Vegan. He overheard her speaking Spanish and said, I have to meet her. Other people, you know, say she basically hung around trying to meet celebrities. There's a lot to unpack. And so far, he has just acted like he doesn't give a shit. And like he knew. Oh, she also claims that the first thing she said to him was she was from Boston. So she claims he knew this whole time. If he did and like didn't give a shit, like I wouldn't put it past him. I do feel like he's that kind of guy who like would find out halfway through and be like, whatever. (laughs) We're going to keep doubling down on this because like he's more concerned with looking like a doofus in public than ever being like, I was duped, you know? Also, sometimes you pay a price to be with a woman who is half your age when you're like when you're 26 years older than her, like yeah. Oh, boy. Thank you, Jolenta, for going down this rabbit hole. Thank you for reminding us of everything that has gone down with Hillary right. and her identity. I'm sorry, Ilaria. And, and I identity. just want people to not like, <laughs> people are like, it's not a big deal. Like, it is kind of a big deal. She took on a culture and a heritage that gets marginalized and discriminated against and claimed it as her own. And plus the lies she told are 
kind of weird lies. Like I go by two names. I go by Jolie a lot in my personal life. Sometimes I get annoyed by switching between the two. I respond to both equally as much, but I always am able to say that Jolie is a nickname and that Jolenta is my like legal name. Somehow everyone understands that. So I don't know how she can switch to her nickname she used in Spain and never be able to mention that. Also, you know, my parents moved to Santa Barbara in 2010, and I never said I was from California because of that. I still said I was born and raised in Oregon. I did say I lived in California, and that is because I did for college. But again, never said I was from there. These are easy things to not lie about. And she consistently did and didn't correct any publications that perpetuated those lies. So, like, why trust her? Yeah. Those publications include being on the cover of Ola magazine many times. And those publications, you're talking Spanish-speaking publications or publications that are targeting Hispanic and or Latino people. So, yeah. Come on, Hillary. Not cute. Not cute. All right. We want to know what your thoughts are on Ilaria. Are you a fan of her? Were you a fan of her? Have you heard some hot goss about whether or not Alec knew about the grift? Let us know at kristenandjolenta at gmail.com, or you can weigh in on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash kristenandjolenta. And that's also a great place to go if you want to leave us a question for the advice portion of the show, which is coming up next. Coming up, we hear from a letter writer who's not sure her country is worth living in anymore. Stay with us. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hey, everyone. We are back with our first listener letter of the day. Jolenta, take it away. Okie doke. Our letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, I approached my fiancé with the idea of moving to another country. I'm not happy living in the U.S. with the current political and social climate. I don't believe things will get better, and I don't want my children to grow up here. He thinks that humankind, on the whole, is problematic. Moving to Canada or the U.K. won't change the fact that there are terrible people in the world. Every country has its problems. Do you agree or disagree? I just would like to live in a place that's not headed in the direction that the U.S. is heading. Whoa. I have to say, Jolenta, this is something I hear my friends talk about after every election lately. (laughs) Yeah, this letter writer put into words what is on, I think, a lot of our minds or sort of in the, the back back burner of like, what have I left? Yes, yes. And I mean, Dean, my husband, as we all know, he's a dual citizen. He could go back to New Zealand at any point. Totally. And every once in a while, Dean does talk about that. He's like, honey, let's just get up and go back to New Zealand. Let's do it. So right. it's not just a conversation I hear after every election cycle. I hear it right here in my own household on a pretty regular basis. Right. And it's a total plausible thing that could happen. Yes. 
But I am going to say that letter writer, I also agree with your fiance. There are problems all over the world with humankind. Some of the problems are worse. Some of them are better. Um, I will just say as a woman of color, some of the racism I have faced in other countries has been worse Mm. than in the U.S. And I will also say that other countries are dealing with different kinds of potential threats of violence than we have in the U.S. The kinds of threats of violence we have are real and valid, and we have white supremacy and gun violence. But in other countries, there are actually legitimate wars being fought by military forces and so on, for example. And other countries have different kinds of economic issues as well that aren't necessarily always better than the U.S. The unemployment rate, the cost of living crisis in the U.K., that's a real issue there. You know, some of these countries don't necessarily have everybody making a great salary, living a great life and living in safety all the times. Right. Uh, It's a tough call. Like, I somewhat agree with our letter writer's fiance that all of humankind is problematic. And I feel like it's especially visible right now. I know for me, COVID has shown me that eventually every country is going to pick like industrialism and consumerism over like health or preservation of like vulnerable populations. Like, it's a bleak realization. It's disheartening to see our values laid out so plainly that can be so shitty. But I also see your point. The U.S. feels like it's getting exceptionally bad. And if you could realistically go somewhere like Canada or the U.K., like, honestly, I would give it a try. (laughs) But I'll also say this. It's not as simple as just I'm going to move here. (laughs) If I had access to any kind of long term visa to, you know, Canada or the U.K., I would consider leaving. Canada and the UK aren't trying to restrict reproductive rights as much. They aren't like trying to outwardly ban trans people as much. And wanting to be away from that, if you actually can, seems like a totally reasonable option that could use more discussion. But like, I would just make sure that this isn't an impulse, knee jerk reaction to run away from a problem that could possibly follow you wherever you go. Yes, the U.S. is getting alarmingly fascist, but if human nature is in general like just getting you down, like your fiancé has said, there's not going to be a huge difference in other places. Everywhere there are humans, there are problems. Yeah, there are. And I mean, I will just say for myself, and I've said this on By the Book before, As much as I love visiting other countries and as much beauty and greatness as there is in other cultures, I also refuse to give up. And Mm -hmm. I won't let the bad guys have complete control of this country. I'm a big believer in like, you know what? I am a woman of color and you can't scare me away. I don't care if you're trying to take away my rights. I don't care if you're making my life hard for me. Fuck you. I am going to stay and fight. That's something that Margaret Cho always says. I'm going to stay and fight. Right. And I'm kind of in that camp with Margaret Cho. Like, you guys don't get to have my country. This country is over half women. We're roughly half people of color. I am not going to be scared away from my country that I have just as much a right to be in as all of you all who are trying to take my rights away. And I refuse. I am not going to let you 
push me out of here. I understand why some people do leave for their own sense of safety Mm -hmm. uh, for other reasons, but I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I don't care if you're killing Asian women. I don't care if you're taking away my reproductive rights. You cannot scare me away. I'm going to stay here and fight. Well, shit, I like that. And as someone who's (laughs) stubborn and tenacious and always an advocate for burning things down, you know, (laughs) I like it when the call's coming from inside the house, when it's the people who rise up and make changes where they are. It's always difficult. It's a struggle. It's hard to raise kids in, but like it can be worth it as well. So letter writer, I mean, if you got some visas, maybe give it a shot. You can always come back. If you can't access visas, try to burn it down from the inside. Stay and fight, like Kristen said. (laughs) And, you know, when it comes to your relationship with your fiance, do what you can to be on the same page with each other. Because this is a major difference. This is not as simple as, do we want a two or a three bedroom apartment? Living in another country is a much bigger deal. It's a cultural shift, even when you're moving to a country that speaks the same language. Even if you move to England, I lived in England for a year, and there are certain cultural differences there. I love Canada. And even though Canada is very similar to the U.S. in certain ways. There are Thanksgivings at a way different time. (laughs) Yes, there are differences there. So, you know, get on the same page as your fiance. I I would say continue to have conversations, the two of you, and, you know, look at what is really at the heart of your desire to move and what is really at the heart of your partner's desire not to. Because it's never as simple as it's bad here, let's go. There's usually more to it than that. Right. And I think If you look into why you want to leave, you can probably find some common ground with how your partner sees humankind. But letter writer, let us know what you two end up doing if you do come to a decision, because we are very curious. We would love to know what you decide to do. Yes. And take me with you if you move. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, we would be so, so grateful if you took a hot second to rate us and review us wherever you're listening and your little podcast player. Hit a five stars. Write what you like about the show. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people see what the show is about now that we've changed formats. You know, you can you can help be an ambassador. So uh, (laughs) give us a quick rating and review. Coming up, A minimalist is trying to reckon with a friend who just wants to give her gifts. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, we are back with our second letter of the day. Kristen, would you do the honor of reading it? Yes, I would. 
Our letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, I try to be pretty minimalist. Not that I think there's anything wrong with having lots of stuff, but clutter makes me so anxious. And I like the things around me to have a purpose. They should be something I use, need, or enjoy. I do buy myself frivolous things sometimes, but they're usually seasonal and get tucked away in a closet or whatnot during the seasons they're not needed. That said, I don't have a big home. I'm running out of space, and I'm thinking of eventually moving into a potentially smaller place, so I'm actively decluttering and donating things. I have a friend who knows this, but her love language is gifts, and for each birthday and Christmas, she buys me an assortment of goodies. Things like notebooks and journals, toys for my cat, crafty things, kitchenware, decorative knickknacks. I appreciate it. I do. I think maybe, though, she feels obligated to get me gifts because I always get gifts for her two kids for their birthdays and Christmas. I don't have kids, so maybe that's how she reciprocates. I don't know. But I'm so stressed every time she says she has a gift for me. I just want to say no thank you. But I don't want to come across as ungrateful or rude. Instead, I wait a little bit and then wind up donating whatever she gave me or shoving it in a drawer or closet. But it's such a waste of her money. What would you do? Oof. This is a tough one that I think a lot of us have encountered at some some mm-hmm. some phase of life or another. I totally feel our letter writer. I don't like a lot of gifts either. I don't think you do either, Kristen. Correct. And, you know, Brad and I have tried in the past with family to be pretty straightforward and be like, we don't need anything this year. Like, please, we're trying mm-hmm. to downsize. That approach tends to not work. People like don't <laughs> see, at least in our lives, people don't really take it that seriously or they tend to just not be able to help themselves, especially if gifts are their love language. That's like telling them they can't fully express themselves to you. You know, it's tough. So I always try to find like a compromise. And for me, I try to like channel their gifting urges towards things I do need. It sometimes takes a bit of like the randomness or surprise out of the gifts But it's a compromise that has worked for Brad and I with our families. We tell them, like, this year we're working on this sort of thing on the house. Could we get gifts towards this? And, you know, we'll get gift cards or a saw or a hammer, you know, (laughs) I don't know, for working on our house. Or we've said, we want, like, one big thing this year. Could you all help us, like, buy a new mattress? And that tends to sort of distract the gift givers from from giving frivolous things. I think those are great tips, Jolenta. I am going to say that on top of that, you might also, I, I know this might be challenging, it might feel confrontational, but I think you can do it in a nice way. I think you can actually just have a talk with your friend and say, I give gifts to your kids because, you know, it's their birthdays or Christmas, but I want you to know you don't have to give me anything. You really don't. This is not something I expect to be reciprocated. Even though it is so generous of you and it is so kind of you, you do not have to reciprocate. But if you do want to reciprocate, I just don't have the space for it anymore. So an experience is going to be way better for me. Maybe tickets to a museum. 
or maybe something that is consumable. Like I personally love it when people buy me snack foods. I personally love it when people buy me different teas or coffees. And maybe you could say the same thing, that you want experiences or consumable items, things that don't take up space. Or one other thing you might be able to do, a lot of people who speak the language of gifts, who are obsessed with gifts, who love gifts, pay attention to hints you drop at other times of the year. I have found this. So I might say, for example, when I'm out with them, like, oh, I just love that cinnamon tea at Christmas time when we're at a gift shop together, even though it's only September. I might just <laughs> point out a tea that I like. And surprise, at Christmas time, I get that cinnamon tea as a gift from that one friend who really loves to give gifts because they pay such close attention. So that's one other thing you might be able to, de depending on how your friend operates. But I definitely have the friends who I just say something like that, and I know for a fact that's going to be my next Christmas present because I blatantly dropped the hint and I made it clear it's just tea. <laughs> I like that. I do think, Kristen, what you said about checking in in regard to, you know, buying the kids gifts and like, are you reciprocating for that and letting your friend know like that's unnecessary is totally doable. And there are definitely ways to approach it that aren't like offensive. And that definitely could be a reason why she feels a need to. So I second that advice. Well, Letter Writer, we do hope that you find a place of peace with all of this. We know it's frustrating. We know what it's like to have too much clutter. And we just hope that in the end, you get the outcome you want here. Less stuff. And that's it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Huge thank you to our executive producer, Nora Ritchie, our producer, Chantel Holder, and our composer and engineer, Casey Holford. Reminder, you can always weigh in on the conversation. In addition to our private Facebook community, you can write to us at kristenangelenta at gmail.com. You can use that email address to ask us privately any advice questions. And Jolenta, they can also check out our Instagram. That's right. We're at How to Be Fine Pod. We have pictures of stuff we do. And sometimes even reels. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jolanta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. See you next week. And until then, stay fine. Stitcher.